Welcome to Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. It's currently 6.22 a.m. on April 27th of 2021. You might be wondering, why am I recording a podcast so early in the morning? But it turns out that this is a topic that I feel many people are not discussing. I'm quite passionate about it. And just so you all know, the reference for this for this podcast, which you could download in the description box below, was published just a couple days ago on the 31st of March in the Journal of Intensive Care, and it is titled, Functional Status of Mechanically Ventilated COVID-19 Survivors at ICU and Hospital Discharge. See, the problem is that those of us who have placed COVID-19 ICU patients on mechanical ventilation, we all know that this is not a process that's going to resolve overnight. For example, you, you admit a patient who has decompensated congestive heart failure with pulmonary edema, they get intubated, you give them some Lasix, you give them their treatments, and they could generally get extubated in 24 to 48 hours. I mean, obviously, that's a generalization, but you get what I mean. A young kid, aspiration pneumonia, partied a little bit too hard, they're better in a few days. A COPD exacerbation in somebody who has mild COPD, you give them their steroids, you give them their NEBS, a little bit of supportive care, and then they're extubated in 24 to 48 hours. Now, you get a COVID-19 patient who has failed other modalities such as supplemental oxygen, high cannula. You know, you've given them the works like the aspirin in certain, in certain situations. You give them their anticoagulation, tocilizumab perhaps, and of course, steroids. But they still need to be intubated. Well, you better check your sedation inventory and tell the family to prepare for the marathon rather than the sprint that is going to be their time on mechanical ventilation. Because we all know that these patients spend quite a while on mechanical ventilation and we struggle honestly at predicting when they're going to come off the vent safely. So one of the things that I do is stress to the families that this is going to be extremely rough. You know, this is this is on those cases in whom I did not rec- recommend the focus on comfort measures to avoid sedation in the first place. You know, an example of this is a patient who's 213 years old with metastatic cancer and end-stage COPD. Well, the first thing I mentioned is that the odds are not in their favor. In my practice, you know, it I have to admit this because it's true, and hopefully this will help somebody out there, but over 50% of the patients who end up on mechanical ventilation end up passing away due to complications of the virus and of the support of care, which I've already created contents on this. I think I created a podcast, in fact, about the five reasons why patients die of COVID-19. Some institutions out there have pu- published better numbers, but in the real world, a lot of our institutions are not too proud of their numbers, and hence we don't share how things really are. I mean, I've, I've honestly tried the various strategies of, you know, prolonging intubation as much as possible. And I've also intubated people a little bit earlier than what I have. Uh, and that's a strategy I'm going to more now. But I, I can't really say that I'm seeing a great difference in the outcomes. And that's that's quite unfortunate. But again, the majority of what the majority of us have seen in patients is that they deteriorate rapidly as soon as we place them on mechanical ventilation. Part of this is it's quite challenging to set them up on the ventilator without the assistance of heavy sedation and paralytics in some cases. And what I do is I explain to the families that this need for heavy sedation and paralytics is detrimental to their recovery. No matter how robust these patients were prior to intubation, we see that the immobility of being on the vent for so long, as well as the use of corticosteroids, as well as the plain and simple duration of mechanical ventilation, 
all these things will inevitably make it so that they do not go home after liberation from mechanical ventilation. And then again, what we're seeing in our experience is that these patients are going to spend at least one week on the ventilator, which, which is tough. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Under traditional circumstances, most intensivists, such as myself, use a general rule of thumb where we start contemplating performing a tracheostomy on day 10 to 14 of mechanical ventilation. Then again, both you and I know that many intubated COVID-19 patients are still not on appropriate vent settings that are low enough to where the procedure of performing a tracheostomy can be safely performed. It is not my plan to review what the vast majority of us are seeing in our clinical practice, but I make sure to break this down early in the course of hospitalization or even before intubation so that the families as well as the patients know what they could expect. The best case scenario for my practice usually includes a discharge to a short-term rehab facility after discharge. Not to mention that many of these patients have baseline comorbidities that throw another wrench into the, into the equation. So again, the study that I'm using as a citation for this was recently published, and I have to tip my hat to the authors. They did a good job with this retrospective patient paper excuse me, that looked at a total of 118 patients who survived their time on mechanical ventilation. I have to tip my hat again to this institution because they were able to save 118 patients. Thankfully, I've not had a total of 118 patients on mechanical ventilation at my shop for the duration of the pandemic to date. And what they did is that they looked at a number of different functional scores, including mental status, ICU mobility scale, and others to come to their conclusions. Now, I'm not going to say that I know exactly what all these different criteria that they use mean, because again, they use uh, criteria that physical therapists and occupational therapists, et cetera, are more in tune with. But, you know, you could go ahead and read this article for yourself if you want to understand it. To, to be honest, though, I, I have to say that I think the results are better than what we are seeing at our respective institutions. And, you know, it's, it's hard when it comes to interpreting these data because one has to come clean as to what they're finding. And, you know, we may not look good in the eyes of other shops, which may or may not have favorable outcomes compared to one own, one's own shop. We may have some trepidation regard, regarding the outcomes of our own COVID ICU patients. I know that there was recently this, this one study that was, I'm not even going to get into it too much, but it was from an ivory tower institution that published their mortality rate on mechanical ventilation as being 30%. And many of those of us on social media who are ICU doctors all looked at each other and, and we just admitted that, you know, having a 30% survival, excuse me, 30% mortality on patients who have COVID and are intubated would be a fantastic number at our respective institutions. We tried to tease out, um, you know, what they did differently, but I digress. But regardless of survival, one has to wonder about the quality of life of the patients once they come off the ventilator. 
if grandpa can never leave the nursing home after being completely independent and would it really be worthwhile? And that's, I know that these circumstances have to be 100% individualized, but one needs to consider these things strongly. The functional status of of survivors of mechanically ventilated ICU COVID patients is something that strongly needs to be considered. And I think they did a great job of, of the outcomes of these patients used in this paper of these 118 patients where 27% of these patients were discharged home and 71% were discharged to a rehab facility. And then 2% were either discharged to an LTAC or hospice. What I'm seeing in my practice is that the majority of these patients are either being discharged to an LTAC or to a rehab facility. But I can't really say that many of them are going home, if any at all. But again, before we get all excited about the fact that 21% of patients ended up going directly home, the authors admitted that many of these patients should have gone to a rehab facility, but instead elected to go home against recommendations. So I guess people were getting very sick of being in institutions. In addition, 50% of patients were discharged on supplemental oxygen. So it's not like their lungs were covered fully by the time that they were out of the hospital. The authors also went further into looking at all the follow-up appointments that needed to be made. Imagine the challenges of these patients to get in and out of their car or arranging transportation to their physician's offices when they've already gotten so beat up after beating COVID. It wouldn't take much to see how they'll need help from different subspecialties such as cardiology, vascular medicine, pulmonology, endocrinology, and neurology. The authors did not disclose the duration of mechanical ventilation exactly, the ICU length of stay, nor hospital length of stay of their patients. They also didn't state the mortality of patients overall who were in the ICU. But again, I don't blame them. That's not within the scope of their study. Um, But they they didn't have a supplementary data like a lot of studies do. It says to email the authors, but I'm not going to go ahead and do that. This, This honestly limits how we could use these data for our own ICU patients who have been placed on mechanical ventilation. But again, I'm grateful that these authors compiled this data to share with us in the first place. All in all, You know, the point of going through this was to explore the importance of discussing with patients as well as their families the harsh reality of what the patient will have to go through should they survive their time on mechanical ventilation after beating COVID in the ICU. This could certainly assist with transitioning certain appropriate patients to palliative care prior to intubation. Again, 94% of patients went into battle fully functional, and it really appears that less than half of them were discharged being fully functional. And again, this this obviously has to be individualized. Overall, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I enjoyed going through this article quite a bit. Uh, This is not medical advice. Don't trust me. Read the article for yourself. It's down in the show notes and on my website. I hope you guys have a great day. And if you're supporting the podcast, please go ahead and leave me a good review or subscribe or whatever, whatever can help. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye.